Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, welcome once again to Cardiff Carols. And in case you didn't know, I am not our guest speaker, Mark Greenwood, who, because of the government lockdown that was, unannounced, that was announced unexpectedly last night, uh, he's not able to travel this morning. So you've got me. And I'm going to be speaking from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1 and verses 1 to 17. And for those of you who may be familiar with the Bible, you're saying, hang on a second, that's a genealogy. I know it's a genealogy, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, it's Cardiff Carols. It's one of the main services of the City Church Christmas program, and you're giving me a genealogy. I mean, I came for the shepherds and the angels and the stars, the the wise men. I want to hear about the escape from that dastardly King Herod, and you're giving me a genealogy. Well, I am indeed. You know, we often skip over the genealogy and we go right to verse 18 because we think that's where the Christmas story begins. And for sure, the genealogy is not usually amongst Bible readings in Christmas services such as this. Last week at our fantastic Kids Nativity, you didn't see the genealogy mentioned. And we certainly today, in our carols, we were not singing about the genealogy. In fact, we were not doing this. I'm going to attempt to to do it right now because this is how a Christmas carol genealogy might have sounded. Solomon begat Rehoboam, he begat Abijah, he begat Asa, and he begat Jehoshaphat. That's how it might have sounded. We don't do that. And I think quite rightly so. But everything is in the Bible for a reason. And I want to suggest to you today that these verses are in fact a key part of the Christmas story, and they're crucial for providing the context to Jesus's mission and to Jesus's ministry. And that's why my message today is entitled, The Forgotten Text of Christmas. Now let's take a quick look at this genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. And in fact, when I say quick, I mean really quick. In fact, what's going to go down right now is an attempt to break some kind of world record. I'm going to attempt to speed through this genealogy and read it to you. So here goes. Let's see, I'll try and do this as fast as I can while still hopefully making sense. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Uriah's wife, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. There were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. 
I mean, I think I must have done that in under 60 seconds. That must be some kind of record. But listen, I wanted to read it to you so you just got a sense of, of what it is. And let me say, historically and theologically, this genealogy is absolutely crucial. Any Jew reading it at the time would have recognized this because as well as anchoring Jesus in history, in real time, and in real space, it also establishes Jesus as a child of Abraham and also in the royal lineage of King David. But that's not what I want to focus on today because there's something very peculiar about this genealogy, which I think beautifully captures the true spirit of Christmas. And so I'm going to demonstrate that with a 10-minute discourse on each name. Because you don't have anywhere else to go, do you? Now, I'm not definitely going to do that. I'm going to be very quick this morning. What you have to understand is genealogies like this, genealogies of that day, they were selective and they were abridged. And what we just read there, albeit very fast, um, shows that Matthew was deliberately organising this. In fact, he's, he sets it out in three sets of 14 descendants. But here's something really important to know and to be aware of when it came to Jewish family trees. You see, Jews would normally, in this selective genealogy, would, um, what they would do is they would feature the best and most honourable of their ancestors. But in putting Jesus' genealogy together... Matthew, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, he includes most people, or he includes people who most, I think, would have thought would be far too embarrassing or unsuitable to put into a list of ancestors of the Messiah, God's long-awaited deliverer. They're much more Hall of Shame than Hall of Fame, and yet we find them directly here in Jesus' lineage. You see, Although we don't know about every single person on this list, of the ones we know about, nearly all of them had moral failures to their name or some kind of mess up, and in some cases, big and bad mess ups. Even the heroes in this family tree, like David, they had serious moral failures. And then you've got outright evil characters like Manasseh. And there's also women who are named in this genealogy. And we often miss this today, but considering the culture back then, the fact that women are included in and of itself is something quite remarkable. Because women would not normally be on lists such as this. They normally just traced it from father to son. Some rabbis even taught Jewish men to thank God every day that they weren't born a woman or a Gentile. And so you kind of get the picture and the, and the social climate. And yet in addition to Mary, the mother of Jesus, being mentioned, Matthew includes four women in this genealogy. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba. And that's really significant. For one, this is a prelude to Jesus' ministry and the new place that he was ushering in, in the new era that he was bringing, where men and women would be absolutely equal. But also, these four specific women that Matthew highlights, it reveals something quite wonderful about God's plan and something quite wonderful for you and for me. For Matthew here, again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he didn't choose esteemed women in Jewish history such as Sarah or Rebecca, but 
four very unlikely women. First of all, they were Gentiles. And what you have to realize is that genealogy lists like this. Some of the reasons why Jews appealed to them in the first place was to support ethnic purity claims. And so the fact that non-Jews are mentioned in a list of the Messiah's ancestors is simply staggering. Secondly, all of these four women, in one way or another, they were outcasts. As a Moabite, for instance, Ruth was not only a Gentile, but she would have been considered an enemy of the Jews. And some of them, like Rahab or Bathsheba, had very painful paths and were shunned because of it. Friends, what a picture this is of the grace of God. That those ones, even the ones that the religious folk said should be excluded from God's plan, they end up in God's family tree in a list of descendants of the Messiah. This genealogy, far from being boring or irrelevant, is indeed a wonderful introduction to the Jesus Christ who called himself a friend of sinners, the Jesus who said he has come to seek and save the lost. This genealogy is indeed a testament to the grace of God. It tells us that God's grace can shine through even the darkest of human experiences. It tells us, yeah, amen to that. It tells us that even when people do stuff to us to mess us up, as was the case with some of these people, God can still redeem it and cause something beautiful. It tells us that no matter what our background or our past, when it seems that that disqualifies us in our own eyes or in other people's eyes, that doesn't disqualify us as far as God is concerned. That even when our troubles are of our own doing and making, that that is not the end of our story. Genealogies such as this tell us that God can take our mess and bring a great message out of it. That the grace of God is greater than any sin. Right here in Matthew chapter 1. Right here at the beginning of the New Testament. And right here at the beginning of the Gospel, we see a glorious message that God accepts the worst of sinners and God raises up those who have been wronged and those who have been excluded. You know, religion says you've got to obey first and if you do good enough, then you may just be accepted by God. Jesus, who is totally opposed to that kind of religion, says that you're accepted and you're loved first and it's that out of that acceptance that we obey. So when I read genealogies such as this, it encourages me because I realize there is hope for me. And I hope it encourages you too because it means that we can still make it no matter our background, no matter our past because God chooses flawed men and women like you and certainly like me. And he brings us into his family and he can use us to accomplish great things, even to make history. In these characters, in Jesus' family tree, we can see ourselves. We can see that outcast. And we can see that sinner. But you know what? We can also see the grace of God. Maybe like Rahab or Ruth, you're currently, like they weren't once were, you are currently outside of God and outside of God's family. Well, today, let me tell you, God is calling you into his family. Maybe like David... He was once deeply ashamed of what he did. But let me tell you today, God 
is calling you into his family. Maybe like Tamar or Bathsheba. Very painful things happen to them. But let me tell you today, God is calling you into his family. Do you know what that means, friends? Do you know what it means? It means something really wonderful. That no matter our background, no matter our past, we can make it onto God's list. It means that no matter what you've done, Jesus can save you. It means that you can enter into God's family. It means that you can have a place at God's table. It means that you can discover your place in God's plan. It means that you can know him as father. And I want to tell you that is absolutely incomparable to anything else. So let's not overlook Matthew chapter 1. This unlikely list of unlikely people is an amazing passage about the grace of God and the power of God to totally transform lives. In this oft-forgotten list and these oft-forgotten names, in this passage from Matthew chapter 1, we can see what the grace of God can do. And we were reminded that our God qualifies the disqualified, the disenfranchised, and the disappointed. Why is it that Jesus' ancestry is filled with such people? Well, quite simply, Jesus came from such people because he came for such people. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners and to bring us all of us, to bring us into the family of God. He came to do what we just couldn't do, to set us free from our sins. And so I want to tell you today, that same grace that was available to Abraham and to Tamar and to Rahab and to Ruth and to Bathsheba and to David and to all the rest, that same grace is available to all of us watching at home, to all of us here in the building today. That same grace is available to us. They made it onto God's list. They became part of Jesus' line. And so too can all of us. When we become a Christian, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a few moments if you've not done it yet. When you become a Christian, you become grafted into God's family. So let's not miss the real message here in this genealogy, and dare I say it's really the heart of the Christmas message that God created the opportunity for us to become part of his own family tree. This is why the angel said, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. This is why the angel said to Joseph, and you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the greatest of all Christmas gifts. The greatest gift that you could unwrap to know God as Father and to become part of his family. And if you want to receive this gift right now, there's a prayer that's going to appear on the screen. I'm going to lead you in that prayer in a few moments. It's a prayer I'm going to ask all of us at home and also in the building to say out loud. It's a prayer through which you can make peace with God. It's a prayer through which you can say sorry for those sins that have disconnected you from him. It's a prayer through which you can make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life and become part of the family of God and put yourself in a position to know God as Father, to sit at his table and to see your life utterly turned around.
This is the prayer that can be the start of the rest of your life. The beginnings of a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask all of us to say this out loud from our hearts. But especially if there's anyone here or watching at home. If this is the first time you're saying it. Or maybe you've been in a church context before but you mean it today. Something has clicked today. To say it from your heart and also out loud with me. Let's say together. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things. And that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.